You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your earbuds, earphones, speakers, those cheap little ones that you get out of the beer cases, whatever you're using to listen to this podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We thank you for it. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews of JaysFromTheCouch.com, back for another day on this Fan Friday edition, the last one of the regular season. I I know it, it, it's been a bittersweet week, and it continues today with the last regular Fan Friday of the season. We were all looking forward, I guess, to uh, next season, and that's kind of what the focus is going to be on today. Um, just, just a note, I, I asked y'all for your MVP pick and so many of you responded. Thank you all so much for your thoughts and thoughts that are still coming in. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to dedicate an episode next week to your MVP selections and, you know, give everyone the chance to have their voice heard instead of trying to cram it into one segment. But we still got plenty of good stuff today. We're actually going to talk about a trade target potentially for the Blue Jays in the offseason. And we're going to get some expertise from the team that would be involved in that trade. Also going to talk about a trade that the Blue Jays may have to make regarding its first base position next year. So we'll we'll get into that. But first, I want to start with something that I've been kind of holding on to for a little bit, just waiting to deploy it at, at a proper time. And it started uh, a few weeks ago when I got a message from Cameron McPherson at Cam... Or sorry, at C McPherson 39, um, Cubs follower, who wanted to get my opinions on potential expansion and realignment coming forward. And Cam did a great job laying it out, went full spreadsheet and everything. I was very interested in that. And we we talked back and forth. Um, we both agreed that MLB needs to go to 32 teams to stop this bowl interleague uh let's have milwaukee face detroit in their final series of the season that kind of shenanigans we also agreed that at this point it's time to make things fair across the league and you know standardize things we were a bit split on whether or not the dh would play on that i like the dh cam a cubs fan not a fan so we debated on that but Eventually, we came up with a four-division system um, with 146 games divided by geography. So the Western League would have Arizona, Colorado, LA, LA, Oakland, San Diego, San Fran, and Seattle. And the Pacific League Central would have the Chicago teams, Cincinnati, Detroit, Kansas City, Milwaukee, Minnesota, and St. Louis. Cam's Northeast has... Boston, Cleveland, a Montreal expansion franchise, the Mets, the Yankees, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Toronto, while the Southeast would have Atlanta, Baltimore, Houston, Texas, Miami, Tampa Bay, Washington, and an expansion franchise, which I argued should be in Nashville. I think that makes the most sense if the 
if the MLB wants to expand its footprint in the Southeast. I think Nashville makes more sense over Charlotte. So Nashville got my vote. And yeah, other, other than that, I would probably swap Detroit and Cleveland, put Detroit in the Northeast, put Cleveland in the Central just to keep that rivalry with Cincinnati. But yeah, so uh, we put that out a couple weeks ago to see what you all thought. And there was a lot of good feedback, especially about the geography as well. Um, Karen Suter at Karen Suter one, like the geography, um, like that. Uh, the designated hitter could come into play across the league because for Karen, it, it's disappointing when a pitcher is doing great, but the offense isn't scoring and a manager has to decide whether to pinch hit for him or not. Hi, Jacob DeGrom. Hope you're enjoying your off season. You've earned it. So that, that was an in- interesting thing to come out of that. And then uh, Karen actually went further and she wrote about this at All Heels on Deck, which is a great website that people should be checking out for great content from from uh, other perspectives, from women, from people of color. Um, she's not a fan of not of like cordoning off the two leagues, the Western and the Eastern League, but Karen is also in favor of a 16-team MLB playoff, which when you read what she wrote on all heels on deck, makes a lot of sense in a four division league. Cause then you just take the top half. If, if you want to adopt the NHL where you have two wild cards, just in case one league is better than the other, then you can kind of have the playoffs like that. Um, Cameron suggested best of five for the first two series and then best of seven for the league champion and the world series. Um, and that led to a suggestion from Randy Mulder at your Niagara home. You know, see Randy for all your needs in the Niagara region if you are looking to buy or sell a home. Um, Randy had the idea of a best of five series in which the higher seed hosts four games. And that's an interesting wrinkle to make it a bit more incentivized to get that higher seed. Would definitely mean more money-wise. Just a matter of travel, I I'm not sure a quick turnaround, like going going game two to game three. Like if you had Tampa and Boston in in a league final or, uh, let's say, Arizona and Seattle, that's a very quick turnaround. Uh, Texas and Washington, that's a very quick turnaround. So I'm, I'm not sure travel-wise how that would work, Randy, but I do like incentivizing things for the higher seat or maybe maybe similar to hockey you make the lower seat team announce their starter first maybe they the manager can plan around like that so you know i i like a lot of stuff that that came out of it uh aiden aiden alash at aim aiden said it was very well thought out makes sense geographically in terms of the strength of the division got a big plus from them Hilly Boxer at GB10XNM said that the biggest stumbling block may prove to be the National League teams not wanting to give up their status as the senior division and having the double switches, the pitcher, batting, all that stuff. It is a suggestion that would break with tradition 
immediately. But if baseball wants to remain relevant and and start to attract younger fans, it has to start getting more attractive and start making sense in some regards. No, no other league has different sets of rules for different sets of teams. No league has this weird sectioning off of the teams. No, no league has some of the stuff that baseball has. And while some of it makes it endearing, some of it also doesn't make sense in the real world. And this helps with revenues as well, because you're not spending as much on travel. And I, I think it's something that MLB really has to consider moving forward. So uh, thank you, Cam, for, you know, reaching out to me and sending that, because I, I really enjoyed, you know, thinking about that, discussing it. And that's the sort of thing that, I think we're going to do more of in the off season. We're going to expand a little more. Think about MLB in general, as opposed to just looking at a Blue Jays scope and, and trying to, to expand and get some thoughts out from other facets of the MLB community. So that's something I'm looking forward to doing in the off season. And I hope you all are enjoying that. We're going to get more Blue Jays centric in a second here and look at the first base conundrum right after this break. But first, just because the off-season is here does not mean that live entertainment isn't happening in your area. And if you want to find the best seats for the concerts and theater events going on, why not check out Vivid Seats? It's an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. You can find seats at any of your favorite live events and get a good view using their website. Make sure you're not stuck behind a pole or anything. And they offer great prices and a very easy purchasing experience. And with the podcast code locked on, listeners can receive $20 off of orders of $200 or more if they are first-time customer with Vivid Seats. So if you go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, you enter the promo code locked on, receive 20 bucks off your order of $200 or more, as a new customer, and all orders with Vivid Seats are backed by a 100% guarantee, so you know you're getting the seats that you pay for. So make a memory that lasts a lifetime, and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Okay, so we are back, and I said we were going to talk about the first base situation with the Blue Jays. And this comes about from a fan question from Jays in 2020, friend of the program. So shout out to Jays who since last time has changed from a Canadian flag to a cool emoji. So, Hey, you're cool. Um, but yeah, Jays asked, uh, who would go out of Telus smoke and Morales? Rowdy Tellez obviously has had a great September and really put the pressure on Justin Smoke and Kendris Morales, who are already first-base DH types, much like Rowdy. So it becomes a question of how do the Blue Jays deal with this situation and figure out who is going to be on this team moving forward. And I actually consulted some of the people at Jays from the couch on this one just to get their perspective. It actually came up a little bit on Jays from the Couch Radio that I did with Sean Doyle this week. Check that episode out in the iTunes, Google Play uh, store if you missed that one. It was a fun episode. Little little choppy. He cut me off because I badmouthed Devin Travis, but still, it was a good time. So 
I I brought this up, and essentially, people seem resigned to Kendris Morales being on this team next year. I'm not sure that's a hundred percent because, like, if if nothing changes. Sadly, Rowdy's going to be the one who goes because he's going to be in Buffalo. He's the one with options. He's going to start down there at the beginning of the season. But if the Blue Jays can work a trade to move Morales, who I think is more likely to go, I know he's a great influence for the Latino players in the dugout, especially with Guriel and and Diaz, but he's also the most limited and he had a great second half of the season, really rebuilt his value. I think the Blue Jays might be able to find someone who could use that switch hitting power in the middle of the lineup a bit more efficiently than they can. And when I was talking to people on Jays from the Couch about it, I asked if it might be an option to maybe package a prospect with Morales, similar to the way the Blue Jays got Reese McGuire and Harold Ramirez from the Pirates when they took Francisco Liriano's contract. And given that they have a lot of players who need to be protected from the 40-man, that that could be a way to you know sweeten the pot and move that deal, including a guy like um, like a Patrick Murphy who we will actually talk about in a second and fi- we'll talk about in the final segment. This is the second segment. We're talking about him now, but a guy like Patrick Murphy who does need to be 40 man protected could become a very useful piece for the blue Jays in this off season to try and, and make things happen in that 40 man. And when I brought that up to the Jays from the couch writers, I, I was met with a bit of derision and, Admittedly, I, I, I did know he improved better. He, he got better in the second half. But uh, Jay's friend couch writer Jeff Q said he might actually be able to be moved if the Jays just eat his salary, which you know, eleven million dollars. That's that's hefty. But they basically ate Tulowitzki this year for twenty million, so it's nothing new to the Blue Jays. But the the option seemed to be. You know, Morales can't be moved. Um, Roy Widrig said that it would be more likely he would be moved in July as an expiring contract to a contender, which I can see. And Jay's from the couch head honcho, Sean Doyle, was just kind of uh, um, just resigned to Kendra spending next season in Toronto, asking who would take him. I had I had a few targets. I thought Oakland could use a DH. They're, they're a young team. They can play Chris Davis in the outfield and not lose a lot defensively. So they could use him in that regard and just have that extra power. I said Tampa Bay. They they have a potential DH in G-Man Choi, but they're not sure what they're going to get from him. So if, if Toronto sent them another pitcher, they might be more inclined to take him. And then I said Kansas City just because they need something to actually cheer for. And bringing back one of the conquering heroes from the World Series teams might be a way to do that for the Royals. But it's it's interesting. And I, I do think Morales is initially is going to be the one out. I think Justin Smoke is way too valuable to Toronto. He would get a lot more in a trade. But they're, unless it's an elite prospect, I don't think Toronto is in the business of stockpiling right now, especially 
if what they're getting is going to be lower on lower level guys who don't have to be 40 man protected. So I think Morales is the one they move. It might not be till July, as Roy said, but again, it it's it's how I see that situation playing out. Keep, maybe keeping Morales until July. Rowdy goes to Buffalo, and then once Morales is gone, Rowdy comes up and starts splitting time with Justin Smoke, maybe as a DH. So that's the way I think I see this happening. Uh, Jason, thank you for that question. We're going to talk about another trade candidate who might be attractive to the Blue Jays right after this. Okay, so... I, I said I had one more trade to talk about, and I do. And it don't don't immediately disembark on this because it involves the Yankees. And and when I was looking for trade candidates for the Blue Jays, because we we've kind of agreed that the Blue Jays do need to sign a starter who can eat some innings for this team next year, and. James Shields is probably the the free agent target that I settled on, but I I had a look at maybe some targets because one thing the front office has done, the Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins front office has done, is shown that they're very good at acquiring depressed assets, you know, assets coming off kind of a down year, and, and really reinvigorating them, like Aledmus Diaz, like Randall Grichuk, um, even off the waivers, guys like Dominic Leone. Guys who are coming off a bad year but can easily rehabilitate themselves. And in watching the AL East and watching the stunning decline of Sonny Gray in New York, I wondered if Gray wouldn't be a candidate for the Blue Jays to go after in the offseason. Sonny Gray's been pitching out of the bullpen for the Yankees this season. He's, He's been all right, but there's a strong chance he's not going to be on the postseason roster for this team. And it's, it's, it's not as bad as it looked in New York this year. Cause I, I think everyone has, has that image of Sonny Gray in, his, in their heads of just Sonny Gray getting bombed this year. He's got an 11 and nine record. He's got a 498 ERA in 29 games a season, 23 of them being starts. So he hasn't pitched terribly, but he definitely hasn't adjusted as well to a full season in Yankee Stadium. And he has one year of arbitration left. He's, I'm not sure he's at the value the Yankees want in a guy who, who could potentially be getting 8 to $10 million. And I brought this up to a few Yankees people that I know. And asked, would the Yankees be amenable to just trading Sonny Gray as opposed to paying him the arbitration next year? And what it would take to get him to Toronto if that was the case. And we'll start with official Yankees expert of the program, David Brown, at David T.A. Brown. He goes by downtown. Um... He said it was a bit of a loaded question that I asked what what uh, Sonny Gray is in New York. I use the word toast, but uh, David said that he doesn't think that Sonny Gray's finished in New York. He thinks he competes for a spot 
next spring or could be an arm out of the pen that the Yankees use, which I they have a lot of arms there. I, I'm not sure if there's room for a guy like Sonny Gray. Definitely not at the price tag. So David, admittedly a little, a little uh, hesitant to fully commit to trading him. Um, friend of the program, Mel Morales at Melmora underscore um, said that Sonny was burnt, but the Yankees should not be getting rid of him because he has been effective out of the bullpen. It's not what Sonny Gray wants to do, obviously. So uh, she saw the Yankees holding onto him on a short leash until someone offers a trade for him and offers Cashman something that he could actually want. And I, I think the Blue Jays could actually do that. I brought up Patrick Murphy as a name who needs to be 40-man protected, a young righty, uh, pitched in Dunedin this year. And you could offer a guy like him to the Yankees who depleted their prospects in going out and getting Zach Britton and getting Jay Happ. I'll offer him as a guy and bring Sonny Gray in on that one-year deal. And I, I, I do like it from a, from a strong perspective. And then the final... Final person I consulted was Caillou Borden at Caillou Borden 12. Um, he's very, very down on Sonny Gray. Um, just said it would take a pitcher in your system that's young, uh, th- that's got a minor league system or two, that has upside, that the Yankees can potentially turn around. Uh, Caillou likes getting him out of there to make room for Patrick Corbin potentially signing in the offseason, which that's that's been long rumored that Corbin is going to be the big Yankees target. And uh, Caillou also said that an organization that that can build that trust in Sonny Gray, can rebuild his confidence, could potentially make him better in a smaller market setting, similar to what he had in Oakland. Um, Adam at Flames underscore Jays underscore 83 also chimed in, was not a fan of him pitching against the Blue Jays this season. And yeah, he was not good this year against Toronto. He made five appearances against the Blue Jays, had a 5-12 ERA in 19 in the third innings, which, yeah, that's bad. But in his career at Rogers Center, he's still a two, he's got a 2-4 and a four record and a 2-80 ERA in eight career starts. So it's it's not a matter of coming to Toronto and being bad, but admittedly, just be, because of the optics of how Sonny Gray looked, I can understand why that's a tough sell. But as Caillou said... I think the Blue Jays can be that franchise that that gives Sonny Gray a bit more trust, similar to Ken Giles. Ken Giles was was burnt in Houston, was was pretty toast there, and comes in and to Toronto in a, a more relaxed environment and is able to reestablish himself as that top ten closer in Major League Baseball. I think Sonny Gray can do that, and I think that's a gamble that the Blue Jays could very easily talk themselves into and and take. And I think it could pay off very well. Even if the team doesn't compete, Sonny Gray would become very attractive at the deadline. And, you know, a team like Oakland that suddenly finds itself in contention is looking for starters would part to get a young guy who could even potentially resign. So I, I think it's a move that the Blue Jays should seriously look at. So <laughs> that that's where I'm going to end Today's Fan Friday episode, the, the last one of the regular season, it won't be the last one of the year. I can tell you that. We are going to have some Fan Fridays moving forward. 
And as long as y'all are willing to talk to me, I'm willing to answer questions. So feel free to reach out at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. Get in on these Fan Friday sessions. Thank you to everyone who submitted their comments today. Thank you, everyone, who submitted their questions. Thank you to Cam and Jays and Karen and Hilly and uh, Aiden for for comments. Um, thank you to uh, Randy. Sorry, can't forget our Niagara agent. Um, thank you to... Uh, Adam, Mel, Caillou, David for, for answering the Sunny Gray question for me. Thank you, everyone, for your interactions on this. Again, it, it's been the, one of the best parts of the season, getting to interact with all you and have these discussions on baseball. Look forward to continuing it into the offseason. Follow the podcast at Locked on Jays. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast content. Make sure you are getting this Locked on Blue Jays podcast into your ears and again we will continue doing it in the off season we're we're going to have that mvp discussion next week so look forward to hearing that still compiling your your answers so so really looking forward to some, some surprising results i think coming in so we'll do that next week and until then i for everyone here at the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Blue Jays, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. I've been Ryan Andrews, your host, and y'all take care. <laughs>